0: Everybody, welcome back to another fine episode of Classic Elder Scrolls. We are we are back, and here we are. Uh, today's record date is Sundas, thirty-first of Second Seed, the month of Shadow. Our, ho- our show is sponsored in part by Tweaked Audio, TweakedAudio.com for quality headphones. Free shipping on those headphones will get you 30% off. How? How does that even happen? Very easily, actually. Just enter our code, off the record, all one word, at checkout at at tweakedaudio.com. And, of course, by Audible. AudibleTrial.com, that is. AudibleTrial.com slash QuestGamingNetwork. That's a link you're going to need in order to download your free audiobook. So when you when you purchase those uh, tweaked audio headphones you get them for 30% off and you have them shipped to your house for free head over to audibletrial.com quest gaming network grab up your your very own your free audio book and 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 uh, and listen your way to extreme audio pleasure <laughs> brought to you by the quest gaming Network yes absolutely uh, I am your host and fellow time Relic traveler Ivarwin. And I'm here in my home in solitude, which we're about to talk all about. Hey, would you guys like some cheese or some goat cheese here for you? (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, I am joined by uh, the man right over here. He's on the griddle, making bacon pancakes and squeezing fresh juniper berries. Mike, the Tamrielic historian.
1: Making bacon pancakes. (laughs) I took the red pill this morning, so I am in the matrix. (laughs) <laughs> I've had way too much coffee. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> How you doing, Mike? I'm good. Yeah. yeah. It's raining outside, but that means I'll be spending time playing video games all day. Go no nice. lawn mowing for me.
2: Ah, very nice. Maybe lay off on the moon sugar in the in the coffee next time. I mean, maybe that'll
1: help. I don't use moon sugar in the coffee. That has calories. I use the non-calorie uh, uh, sweetener version. Ah, yes, yes. Um the- the, the Defined Skuma. <laughs> the <Yeah>. Refined Skuma. <laughs> the uh what, the, the sweet
0: and Khajiit? Yeah, sweet and Khajiit. Sweet and Khajiit.
1: <laughs> Moon sucrose. <Yeah. laughs>
0: and, and that other gentleman uh next to me. Hey, he's got your rags, sunny side up with a side of smooth, baby. Mark <laughs> the sonarist. Warning guys, I'm I didn't sleep well last night. You could say I'm a little
2: scrambled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Good, um, everyone!
1: <laughs> now, now Marwin, you missed one of our sponsors. Ah, yes, yes, of
0: course. I, I'm very sorry. Um, we're also sponsored by Bellathor's General Goods. Next time you're in Whiterun and you want to sell your sister, stop by Bellathor's General Goods where everything's for sale, my friend. Everything. If I had a sister, I'd sell her in a second.
2: Nice. (laughs) I heard he added the if part because he said that once he used that uh, pitch on a guy from House Dress, things got awkward.
1: (laughs) wow. So he actually used to have a sister. (laughs) Basically, yeah. He he had to dress up uh, the guy who chops wood for him with a wig.
0: Incidentally, I've heard Bellathor's sister has has changed her name to Dress recently. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was a choice, though. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Hey, anyone want to meet my beautiful wife, Lydia? Look, there she is. Hello, my love. Back from some adventure, I bet. Ah, yes, yes. Lydia and I, we go adventuring, then we come home, we eat some sweet rolls, we go to sleep, and then we go out and adventure again. That's what we do. Yeah. Anyway. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> We're here in Skyrim. Um, Mark, why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can connect with us, please? Sure, why not?
2: Well, they can watch us, watch us live on Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at uh, twitch.tv slash Uh If they want to email us, they can do so at questgamingnetwork uh, at gmail.com. And they can find us at our website, questgamingnetwork.com. And you know they can follow us on social media at on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR on Facebook at Facebook.com slash quest uh, sorry Facebook.com dot slash Gaming Network or on Google at or on Google at Google dot slash plus sign
0: Quest Gaming Network.
2: As I said, I'm a bit scrambled today.
0: <laughs> well, it's early in the morning. I think we all are. I love making pancakes. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I love Proud Spire Manor. This place is just amazing. Look at this patio
1: oh, yeah. view. I got the whole thing all decked out.
2: Oh, yeah. It's it's one of the best houses in the game. Yeah. Without question.
1: So I think of Arwin for the next ESOTR, I'm going to submit for the crafting table the house modification mods that I have. Because if you think Proud Spire Manor looks beautiful now in its vanilla form, wait until you load in some of these house modifiers. Oh. Yeah, they are amazing.
0: Oh, there's the guy we got, i got to talk to for this quest. All right, well, let me, let me pause it here, then. Um, Mike, what are we doing today as I'm, so, as I'm telling people that I, I need to uh, talk to this guy for a quest?
1: So today we are in Skyrim playing The Mind of Madness. Uh, we will be discussing Solitude, the Home of Insanity, and the history of Solitude, the Home of the Maddest of the Mad, the Synaris Archives, the place of the Septum Dynasty in the world of the Elder Scrolls, we have a fast question of the week and tweets and emails. So we will start our day though with what have we been doing in game?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I'll—I never go first, Mike. <laughs> I'll go.
1: Okay, yeah, hey. finally, Varwin goes first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so uh, you know, I think I might have mentioned this on on EsoTR, but um, here's here's my uh, here's my my new paladin, uh, a Varwin. Um, the Avarwin 2.0 I suppose. He's um what is he? I think he's now like level 28.
1: I think. Nice. You've done quite a bit of work on him.
0: Yeah. yeah, level level 28, right? Uh became Thane of of Solitude. Purchased proud spire Manor, got the whole thing completely furnished, and then and then recently um I just married Lydia. So, um these are all things that i've never actually like really done in one gameplay before i've never actually owned proud spire manor um really never no i i never did so that's... yeah that's why i'm mentioning it for me it's like a pretty big achievement because i think it's one of the more expensive
1: houses in the game it is the most expensive oh, yeah. house in the game yeah
0: twenty five thousand gold um and then uh, additionally like I had one character that was married, but I think it was to, uh, uh, you know, that that, uh, that hussy and white run. <laughs> yeah, mine
1: too. I've only had one out of my six characters have ever been married, and it was to the town bike. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and it was about the same time that, you know, you guys were discussing it on uh, Skyrim off the record too, because mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, that's my wife. And you guys are like, yeah, that's the town bike. And I'm like, shut him up. Everybody (laughs) marries this woman. Yeah. (laughs) That's why we call her the town bike. Everyone marries her. And she's a drug dealer.
2: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, if you go to, like, um, the sleeping sap tree camp or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. If you've um, ever
1: taken the sleeping sap.
2: Yeah. uh, You'll find, like, uh, the body of this guy there who's her supplier of the sleeping sap. And she's there. Ah, crap. He's dead. Okay. Well, you know what? If you have have any of this stuff, bring it back and I'll pay a premium for it. (laughs)
1: She gives you like a hundred gold pieces for it. Oh yeah.
2: This is how she intends to buy the the inn.
0: Well. Uh so there you go. I guess, <laughs> <laughs> I guess she really is a hussy, isn't she? <laughs> um anyway, so so yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. And um so I when I purchased Proud Spire Manor, um I had you guys are gonna laugh at this, I had um um Lydia was was my uh, my follower at the time and uh, I go w- walking in here and of course Proud Spire Manor comes with its own house Carl and it's basically the blonde version of Lydia so I'm like all right you know I I want to I want to try out marriage and with this character I've only really done it once before so I you know married the blonde house Carl and so so Lydia goes walking into the the ceremony and I'm I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, this doesn't feel right. You know, I've been on a whole bunch of different adventures with Lydia. You know, I only met this blonde chick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to just screw this. I'm marrying Lydia. Like, that's just it. That's just the end of it. So I, I figured out how to marry Lydia. I I purchased Breeze Home just so I could. And, um, you know... Uh, Lydia and I we got married and then um uh, we, we moved into into this um into this this store or this this house, Proud Spire Manor. And uh I, I'm I'm like thoroughly pleased with myself. Like I think this is such a great idea.
2: <laughs> Congratulations.
0: Yes, I'm really happy. So anyway, that's <laughs> what I've been doing in game. <laughs> uh hanging out with uh Lydia. Anyway, uh, what about you, Mark? We haven't heard from you in a while. How you
2: been? I've been doing fairly well. Uh, Friday, we uh, we had the latest episode of Dancing with Daggers. You know that was awesome. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite moments in that was uh, we we were in the Wayrest sewers and we came across this guy called the the Rat Whisperer, one of these mini bosses, and he keeps summoning all these skeevers, just constantly. And uh, something happened and, our heal- you know, Ray, our healer, went down and very quickly Rob and, um, you know, Rob and Tim also went down as well. And so as a result, you know, I- I'm playing the tank. I'm suddenly being swarmed by about 15, 20 skeevers just chasing me around, just
1: gnawing me away. <laughs> so it's,
2: Rats! Rats! more ah! than
1: 20 skeevers baked in a pie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, you know,
2: other than that, on uh, I was playing a little Skyrim uh, during the week as well, and uh, yeah, I, I stepped into White Run one uh, uh, one evening, and of course, vampires spawned. And I have something that's supposed—I to... I have two mods that are supposed to, when dragons attack, all NPCs run into their—you know, all NPCs other than the guards. Run and run hide in lives. their uh, yeah, run for your lives. They they run and hide in uh, in their houses, and also the uh, another one that does makes them do the same for vampires. But Belthor, for the first time, decided apparently to be uh, to you know to try to be brave, and got himself killed by the vampires. So, <laughs> so first time that had ever happened. I'd constantly you know several times I've had the uh, the woman in charge uh, you know who. Uh, owns War Maiden. I've had her die before, but this was the first time Bellathor had gone out. So next day, I go over to the store, figuring it's going to be the, um, uh, going to be his assistant in charge now. But no, it's it's actually Isolda. Which is like, wait, what are you doing here? And then she starts talking right away about how she wants to buy the inn. Like,
1: Well, that's kind of cool, because I know, like, you know, that if you, um, if the people at the inn end up dying, that she'll take over the inn.
2: Oh, she does?
1: Yeah. Ah. Like, Care a you, thing about that. Side with the Red Guards and get rid of the one girl there. And then there's another quest where somehow or another the innkeeper dies. Then you sold the that. I never found that, that quest. Yeah. Huh?
2: Interesting. So, okay, so basically she's going to become, like, the mafia boss of all of Whiterun, White owning Run, yeah. all the different you know, all the different <laughs> businesses and control of the drug trade and everything else. It's a
1: good thing I married her in that one playthrough.
0: <laughs> I wonder if there's a thing to that, like, you know, like, the developers intended for her to be, like, uh, you know, kind of like a rags-to-riches kind of a... Okay, good, I got that buff.
2: I, I can actually see that. Um, I mean, she wants to be a trader, and... So it makes sense, you know, you help her become a trader and, uh, you know, uh, get lessons and whatnot by getting her the mammoth tusk. And from there she has, you know, she, she she's basically one of the default characters for taking over businesses.
0: Um, I just want to, if I can just interrupt for just a minute here, I, I just noticed this um, the other day and I wanted to share it with you. Um, when you get married and you sleep in your bed. You get a buff called Lover's Comfort, and it's actually very, very uh, good. It, it improves all skills by 15% for the next eight in-game hours.
2: There's, uh, there's another um, buff that you get if you've uh, adopted children as well. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it also has a very nice uh, buffing ability that you get in addition to Lover's Comfort
1: if you're married as well. So, you know the nice thing about lover's comfort, if like avar when you have Lydia as your follower, also yeah, anytime you sleep in an owned bed uh with her as your follower, then you get that so it's not just like if you had Yosolda and you had to go back to wherever you had her stationed, yeah to get that oh so, that's
0: that's awesome
1: that's so cool. if you rent a room at an inn and your traveling companion is also your wife or husband, then you get that lover's comfort,
2: all right, nice. Um, uh, Mark. Oh uh, yeah, I don't, the only continue. other thing I did was uh, I was playing Battlespire, of course, on Monday and I ste- I'm in um, Shade Perilous one of Nocturnal's Oblivion Realms and they're, it's basically been taken over by some Frost and Fire Daedra which they don't like each other but because of some deals they've made they can't actually fight and I'm going through the whole thing and actually talking to them and convincing them that oh yeah, 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 don't attack me and I'll go... Fight the other guys for you. Oh, sure, here. And here's some items to help. And then I go to the other guys and say, hey, if you give me some items to help, I'll go fight the other guys for you. <laughs> Playing and one against I'm the actually other. i getting through most of this level just by basically talking to these guys and saying, oh, no, I'm totally on your side. Wow. So, you know, <laughs> and then, of course, I'm bumping into Seducers, who some of them I can talk to. But if I, they decide to fight me, they shoot like... They just pummel me with magic spells. I mean, they are the hardest enemies I've seen in the game so far. It's like, the moment they see you, here's five fireballs right away.
1: Do they do it a la um, Austin Powers there?
2: Because I know Uh, that
1: you have to have the little black bars when you talk to some of these people.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. No, that one NPC is... I, I literally had... There's one NPC that I've... I glanced ahead on walkthroughs just to sort of see is there anything I need to be aware of. Because the older games like Daggerfall can... Sometimes you need parental controls for some got- characters that show up. Um, so I found that there are two NPCs in the game, total thankfully, that I need to sort of have a, um, a sensor screen on, uh, on hand whenever I'm going to go talk to them. So I had bumped into the first one. I know there is someone who's even. Uh, what was it you said, Mike? That uh, there is more rendering and more know, rendering post- and
1: pixels put into this one character than the entire rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, because I would posted oh a
2: picture of it on Twitter afterwards. So you know it was like, and as as much as you know, she's she's kind of impressive. The other one on that levels twice as much. <laughs> it's just yeah,
1: as as Liz would say, swing physics. Well, oh, this is bounce physics.
2: Yeah, basic jiggle physics. Yeah, <laughs> no, there, there's, uh, you know, this type of thing is still in uh, in the Elder Scrolls series, but you usually have to find a player made mod for it.
0: Yeah, that's that's one thing I've I've definitely noticed is as the games have progressed, um, they've gotten uh, a lot the, the 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 nude content in it has has dropped dramatically.
2: Yeah, they become more mature. In how they're dealing with things. You know, it's yeah. it's less well, let's face it, when you look at the box of arena, you've got these three warriors and wizards who are like very very manly and very fully dressed, and then you have this um this one female warrior right up front who's wearing like
0: floss male armor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say. It is a It's enchantment
1: shirt. covers her. <laughs> there we go.
0: <laughs> Her, her beauty is all the armor she needs. And her brains. Her you can mm-hmm. She's got a very uh, intelligent look on her face. You can tell that I'm full of it. So anyway, uh, <laughs> Mike. Uh, Mike, what have you been doing in-game?
1: So I spent a lot of time in ESO this week, uh, but I did spend a little bit of time in Skyrim. Um, I finished up my Thief's character, and I'm not really sure if I want to continue on with him or just uh, bank him away. Because I have completed the following Mercer quest, uh, thing that I've been talking about. I have completed the, uh, both of the Thieves' Guild quest lines. Uh, and there's not really much left for me to do with him. So I'm thinking I might start a new character. And I'm not sure if I want to go and try and do a pure mage character. Uh, which would be very interesting to see.
0: You know, um, that seems to be, like, the one playstyle that I just totally fail at, um... Due to just lack of interest on my part, you know, mages for me have no matter what the game is has um has never has never interested me. However, in Skyrim, um, I don't actually, I don't actually mind attempting to play it. But but that being said, like I, I've 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 never actually gotten a high level mage, pure mage. I've never actually done that. And um, I'm surprised I even you know tried it here in the first place, but uh, yeah, it's um, if you can take it all the way. I hear it's one of the more powerful uh, types of characters that you can have as a pure mage.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah. I've got a number of mods already, like uh, Spells of the Third Era um, and uh, Apocalypse. I think it is uh, spell pack. So I might be looking through uh, Nexus and uh, the Workshop to see what other spell packs are available, other, like, mage-specific mods, just to, you know... What about Midas Magic? What's that? What about Midas Magic? That's, uh, I think, the big one. Well, I don't know. I I looked at Midas Magic, and I didn't like some of the stuff that was on it, so... All
0: right. I see. Now, I wouldn't download Midas Magic because, you know, my, my... my uh experience with mages in this game is extremely limited so i if i really took like a a mage seriously in this game i would go vanilla first like i usually do and then maybe try it yeah but this is actually the first game i've ever
2: played a full-on mage in um and yeah if you do a full-on mage and um also boost your enchantment up you can actually, basically you become almost invulnerable. Like, uh, you can throw out the most powerful spells again and again and again, because you can make it so that these spells no longer cost any
0: Magicka whatsoever. Oh yeah, especially yeah. if you go Archmage. Oh yeah. And um, I think
1: I want to look at, like, something to up the, uh, Galdars Amulet to make it more powerful, because I've always found by the time I complete the four quests associated with that, that it's blasé. And that I, I can craft things that are way better than it. So I'm wondering if I can, um, if there's a mod out there that makes it a much more powerful amulet, so that if I get it early on, that it would be like, I am now a god, you know, type of activity from it. All right. Well, um,
0: lest us not be rude, uh, here we are, we are in solitude, and, um, everyone's probably wondering, um... You know why I'm just sort of you know showing the beautiful landscapes here of, of solitude, um, because we're we're actually about to jump into a, a couple of quests here that that do involve that do involve solitude. So I want to keep it close to home. Um, was it the Mind of Madness? I think is is the name of the quest, Mike. Yes, it is. Okay, yeah. Looking forward to that. Uh, if if th- for those of you out there who who may not be aware, uh, mm-hmm. that's the quest you need in order to to get the Wabbajack. And the reason Wabbajack. Why Right, yeah. Uh the reason why we're taking that on today is because uh the the quest for the wabajack is closely tied to uh the person we want to highlight today, um which is Mad Pelagius Septum the 3rd. Um and and we're we're highlighting him because we took last episode, uh we did the wolf queen Potima who's from Solitude, Mad Pelagius, right? is also from solitude and it got me thinking you know we've got um we've got a whole bunch of different characters here that that actually come from this area and you know they're all just they're all just kind of not right (laughs) i would say so
1: for gently yeah
0: to put it gently uh so for the discussion topic okay I've got this right here, Solitude, the capital city of Hafingar, seat of the High King of Skyrim, home to the Imperial Legion in Skyrim, and even the Thalmor make their headquarters near it. By all accounts, this is the seat of power in Skyrim. It's both beautiful and grand, but as Steer says, the local priest of Arke, who tends the halls of the dead, quote, The city has a long history of madness and murder. The Wolf Queen, Pelagius the death of High King Torig, and now public executions. My books tell these my books tell the stories have no doubt. As pretty as the streets are, as jovial as the bards may be, darkness is drawn to solitude. End quote. So what is it about solitude that makes it prime for the seed of insanity? Is it coincidence, or is there some dark curse that follows solitude and as it makes its way through the blood-soaked pages of its history.
1: So if we look at Solitude, uh, other than being the home of Potema the Wolf Queen and um, Pelagius the third here, we also have to look at the areas surrounding it. We have it's built upon the arch over the Sea of Ghosts, Uh, we have Morthal swamps to the south, we have um, the um, Dawnstar to the east uh, with uh, the temple there to, um, was it uh, Vermina? Uh, I think uh-huh. it's Vermina, the, the Dreamer. And then if we look just to the north off of the coast, uh, we end up seeing that there's Castle uh, Volk here, where um, the, uh, the Harkon clan of vampires is. So there's quite a bit of um, supernatural things surrounding it. Uh, that are not really that good. And then you know, you add into the fact that it is the ruling area of uh, Eastern Skyrim, and of course you're going to get all of the uh, uh, eccentricities associated with royalty being there. Mm.
0: Good point actually. Very good point. Um, when when considering uh, everything that was that was going on in in this discussion point, um, I did not consider, uh, the close, pro- the, the fairly close proximity of both, uh, Morthal and, and Dawnstar. And, uh, I don't have it unlocked on, on this character's map, but, uh, Harkin's palace, I think is, it's somewhere like in this, this general
1: area over here. Yeah. Somewhere. Just to the Northeast, a little, or Northwest, yeah. a little bit of solitude. So yeah. I mean, you've got, you know, clans of vampires pretty much on all sides. Yeah, no, so that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, um, you know, it is—it is sort of just like in the middle of nowhere. Um, in, in, in how it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's sort of—it's by itself. Yeah. It, you know, it is, uh, and I guess that's probably where it, co- it gets its name from because it is, you know, sort of solitary. It's a solitary city uh, in the middle of this. Um, you know, this, this vast ice land area. um, And it's, it's kind of tough to get to. And as you know, Mike pointed out, you know, uh, you kind of have to, (laughs) it is surrounded by, by some, some hellish uh, things, to be
1: honest. Yeah. I mean, you got those mountains across the, the North there, so you really can't travel from the North. So you have to go around the tip there. Right. Into the, into the inlet. So the South, you have all those swamps. You know, and really, there's only one road for, that leads in to solitude you know if you were to travel by land yeah I mean if you want to go from Markarth to solitude, you can't you know even though they're fairly close and uh, you know as the crow flies, you literally have to go into white run hold to come back out to get up to solitude,
2: yeah.
0: Um, also, don't forget it is bordered in the north by the Sea of Ghosts, where um, I'm not sure where where that name comes from. I don't know if you guys do. Uh, we could probably look it up very quickly and figure it out if that information has been released in the games. But um, I imagine it's there for for uh, a you know a reason, a supernatural reason. But yeah, Sea of Ghosts is is in the north there. Yeah, yeah. I I personally
2: think that it's name. I think it's actually named more for the danger that it it holds like it's a very difficult crossing to go anywhere further north or anything for sailing yeah i mean consider the number of shipwrecks that you find along the coast yes you know and there's this one area that's basically an entire graveyard of ships and you know that's actually a really cool area to get like a water breathing spell or something and just go swimming down there and just explore the various shipwrecks which i actually uh now that you mentioned it i think i actually have a water breathing spell. Yeah, like uh, get an amulet of it or something, and just—it's just, it's just a, a really good place to go explore. Yeah, yeah, there's
1: a couple of them that you have to have. That you can't like do it normally and go down because it's just so deep that you would die before you got back up.
2: Yeah, or play an Argonian.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, actually, um, with all this, I honestly feel that it's—it's it's probably a bit more of a political aspect that that is the reason behind all the murder and um and death around it i mean solitude itself has been it's it's one of the most important cities in um in skyrim i mean i i can see why you would choose this as your capital it's probably the most defensible city in the entire province if if not all of tamriel you know how How do you have an army assaulted i mean the the road that reaches that goes up to it is so small you know there's there's really no way to come to easily get an army into the city even up to the walls yeah. so defense is just extremely easy so when you have this place that becomes so important for so many political dynasties i mean at first it's just the the um the High King of Skyrim, but then when you start to get to um, to later game, you know, to the the third era, and uh, you actually have people of the Septim bloodline living there, you suddenly have all these nobles who just have so many reasons to go and you know try to one up each other in order to take control of the city, in order to to wield the power of being the High King or have a shot at becoming the Emperor. Um. And sometimes they do it just to be petty at one another, such as as we'll find out happened with Pelagius and uh, Um I, I, I thinking I'm, I'm thinking of the right one because I remember the story from last uh, last week how Potemma supposedly cost him his mind or something.
1: Gave him the uh, the soul gem. Yeah, that was cursed with the wolf spirit inside of it.
2: Yeah, so it, it's stuff like like that. You have all these people who. Who are fighting over power, and that just causes so much. So it causes a bloody history. I mean, look at our own uh, history with, um, you know, in, in the real world. Whenever you look at dynasties and noble lines, it's not unusual to find madness and death
0: hmm. uh, following each one. Oh, another good point, actually. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe, maybe somewhere the truth lies. Somewhere between there um you know whereas uh, mike had uh, had pointed out it could be it could be a um, maybe just the area itself is is somehow cursed and we don't know yeah. why and and as mark pointed out well maybe it's not that maybe it's really just the the simple fact that you know uh politics being what they are in a harsh in a harsh time in a harsh land such as this um and this being the seat of power in Skyrim and probably one of the more important cities in all of Tamriel um, you know as they say uh, it could be a, a crap magnet <laughs> <laughs> so so um, the rest will we'll leave to our listeners um, here it is the Pelagius wing and we're about to start poking around there it's a creepy little place and we'll show you that in just a second, um, so so Mike, as we delve into the mind of madness.
1: So let us start with the history. So you're going to go get a hip bone, and we'll start talking. Right. <laughs> uh, so born, uh, Thoris Pelagius Septum in the third era, nineteen or 119. Lived until the third era 153, more commonly known as Pelagius Septim III or Pelagius the Mad. Uh, he started his political career as Jarl of Solitude and High King of Skyrim and the third era 137. He was crowned Emperor of Tamriel after the death of his father Magnus Septim. The Emperor Magnus was already elderly when he had taken up the imperial diadem. And the business of punishing the traitorous kings of the War of the Red Diamond drained much of his remaining strength. Legend accuses Magnus' son and heir Pelagius III of patricide, but that seems highly unlikely for no other reason than that Pelagius was king of solitude following the death of Potima and seldom visited the imperial city. So... Pelagius III, sometimes called Pelagius the Mad, was proclaimed emperor on the 145th year of the Third Era. Almost from the start, his eccentricities of behavior were noted at court, and he embarrassed dignitaries, offended his vassal kings, and on one occasion marked the end of the Imperial Grand Ball by attempting to hang himself. (laughs) His long-suffering wife was finally awarded Regency of Tamriel, and Pelagius III was sent to a series of healing institutions and asylums until his death in the Third Era, 153, at the age of 34. So in today's quest here, uh, there'll be points where I will stop talking just so we can hear the dialogue because uh, a large portion of the Mind of Madness we deal with Shiogorath, but really Shiogorath tells us some of the stories behind Pelagius' Madness. So uh, we'll stop and listen to Uncle Shio uh, talk for a little while during parts of this.
0: Yeah, we're actually about to hit that in the next three to five
1: minutes. Ah, so from the book, A Madness of Pelagius. It's hard to say when Pelagius' madness first manifested itself. For, in truth, the first ten years of his life were marked by much insanity in the land itself. When Pelagius was just over a year old, Antiochus died and a daughter, Kintara assumed the throne to the acclaim of all. the second was Pelagius' cousin and an accomplished mystic and sorceress. So we talked a lot about her last uh, episode during the War of the Red Diamond with Potema, the Wolf Queen.
0: We did, actually. Yeah. We, uh, and, and, uh, You know, I I thought, um, believe it or not, I thought Pelagius was um, Potima's son.
1: Yeah, I thought that too. Yeah, that's Uriel the... third? Or fourth? Which one was he? I can't remember now. Uh, I don't have my notes in front of me on him.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, but uh, yeah, for some reason I thought that Pelagius was also then related. You know what? It's probably the part of this quest that refers to Pelagius' mother and that's probably what's
1: you know, sort makes of makes that connection. Like, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. It could be. I, I actually I actually looked that up last night. Um, he's, he's definitely not um, Potima's son, but, you know, it, it was something that I stumbled upon. Um,
1: but she is his aunt. Okay. Yeah, because uh, the War of the Red Diamond is fought between um, Potima the Wolf Queen and her two brothers. And uh, Magnus was one of her brothers. And so Pelagius is her nephew.
0: Hmm. Just got into the Pelagius wing of uh, the Blue Palace, by the way. And what a dump. This place has been uh, abandoned for quite a long time. looks like they uh, kind of, you know, after they gave his wife uh, all the power because of his madness, it uh, looks like they just kind of, you know, s- squirreled him away in here to, uh, you know, just, just keep him out of sight. Yeah,
1: well, I think they just sealed it off because he ends up, as we'll, we'll see here in a little while, you know, not even coming back into Skyrim after a while. So, there is thankfully much written uh, on the record of Pelagius' childhood in Belfiera, uh, recorded by nurses and visitors. All who met him described him as a handsome, personable boy, interested in sports, magic, and music, even assuming diplomat's lack of candor. Pelagius seemed, if anything, a blessing to the future of the Septum dynasty. With Potima's death and the final end of the war, in gratitude, Cepheus placed Pelagius on the throne of solitude. So now, as a young man, he's placed here in solitude as the high king. As high king of solitude, Pelagius' eccentricities of behavior began to become noticeable. As a favored nephew of the emperor, few diplomats of solitude made critical commentary about Pelagius. For the first two years of his reign, Pelagius was at the very least noted for his alarming shifts in weight. Four months after taking the throne, a diplomat from Ebenhart called Pelagius a hell-and-hearty soul with a heart so big it widens his waist. <laughs> Five months after that, the visiting prince of first hold wrote to her brother, princess from first hold wrote to her brother that the king gripped my hand and it felt like I was being clutched by a skeleton. Pelagius is greatly emaciated indeed. So within five months, he's gone from roly poly to skin and bones.
0: Uh, uh, Just so you know, we are now um, in the uh, pocket of
1: oblivion. Okay, so we'll listen to a little bit of Sheogorath talking to Pelagius.
0: Right, here we go.
3: Besides, I have so many things to do. So many undesirables to contend with. Naysayers, buffoons, detractors. My my headsman hasn't slept in three days. You are far too hard on yourself, my dear, sweet, homicidally insane Pelagius. What would the people do without you? Dance. Sing, smile, <laughs> grow old. You are the best septum that's ever ruled. Well, except for that Martin fella. But he turned into a dragon god. And that's hardly sporting. You know, I was there for that whole sordid affair. Marvelous time. Butterflies, blood, a fox, a severed head, ho-ho-ho, and the cheese to die for.
0: I just want to stop it there for a second. I don't know if you can hear that or not. I'll try and catch it on the audio if it's too low. Uh, but there is there is a thing out there saying that uh, the player character in Oblivion acts, actually becomes Sheagorath at the end of the Shivering Isles. And I feel like that dialogue right there kind of cements that.
1: You know, and the cheese!
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, hold on.
3: Yes, yes, as you've said countless times before.
0: Now that that person you're hearing right there is actually Mad Pelagius.
3: Harumph! Well then, if you're going to be like that, perhaps it's best I take my leave. A good day to you, sir. I said, good day. Yes, yes. Go. Leave me to my ceaseless responsibilities and burdens. <laughs> How rude! Can't be bothered to host an old friend for a decade or two.
0: <laughs> Alright, so I gotta tell him that I'm here.
3: Inside the mind of Pelagius, silly. Oh, is it your first time?
0: Alright, I'm here to deliver a message.
3: Really? Ooh, ooh! what kind of message? A song! A summons! Wait, uh, I know! a death threat written on the back of an Argonian concubine. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> well? Spit it out, mortal! I haven't got an eternity. Actually, I do. Little joke. But seriously, what's the message?
0: Uh, let's see. Um, I was, I was asked to retrieve... I was asked to retrieve you from your vacation.
3: Were you now? By whom? Wait! Don't tell me. I want to guess. Was it Molag? No, no. Little Tim, the toy maker's son, huh? Huh? The ghost of King Lysandus? Ah, oh, or was it one? Yes, Stanley, the talking grapefruit from Passwall.
1: Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! <laughs> I'll tell you. As we've done some of these shows, no, some no, of the matter. names that he drops Honestly, become much more make much more sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till we understand the thing about Stanley.
3: <laughs> Tiny, puny, expendable little mortal, actually think you can convince me to leave. Because that's crazy. You do realize who you're dealing with here.
0: Uh, I'm afraid I don't know, sir.
3: WRONG! Actually. Sartre. I am a part of you, little mortal. I'm a shadow in your subconscious. A blemish on your fragile little psyche. You know me. You just don't know it. Siogorath, Daedric Prince of Madness, at your service.
0: So does that mean you leave me alone or not?
3: Now that's the real question, isn't it? Because honestly, How much time off could a demented Daedra really need? So, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave. That's right, I'm done. Holiday! Complete! Time to return to the humdrum day to day. On one condition. You have to find the way out first. Good luck with that.
0: (laughs) Okay, what's the catch?
3: Ha! I do love it when the mortals know they're being manipulated. Makes things infinitely more interesting. Dare to take a look around? This is not, I dare say, the solitude botanical gardens. I have any idea where you are? Where you truly are? Welcome to the deceptively verdant mind of the Emperor Pelagius III. That's right! You're in the head of a dead, homicidally insane monarch! <laughs> Now, I know what you're thinking. Can I still rely on my swords and spells and sneaking and all that nonsense? Sure. Sure. Or you could use the wabajack. Huh? Huh? Coming, did you?
0: All right. we'd be wabajacking.
2: Uh on Twitter this uh this weekend, it seems that uh the voice actor who does Shi'agorath it had some sort of uh, panel at a con or something, and he brought a cheese platter for everyone. <laughs>
1: nice.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Also, um, could this possibly represent a reason as to why Pelagius was insane? <laughs> possibly. Because Shi'agorath was taking a vacation in his head for his life?
2: <laughs> well, it's actually interesting because uh, if when you play the Shivering Isles, there's a mission where you have to go to this certain ruin, and it's actually the, um, as Mike will get into, it's the asylum that uh, Pelagius died in, that uh, Shagorath had his followers steal brick by brick, stone by stone, and bring and rebuild in the Shivering Isles. Hmm. So, Pelagius was one of his favorites. I see that. Um, All right.
0: So, before
1: we get to the next uh, cut scene here, uh, let's read a little bit more on the madness of Pelagius. Sure. Uh, So, Sepphoris, the emperor, never married and he died died childless three years after the Siege of Solitude. As the only surviving sibling, Pelagius' father, Magnus, left the throne of Wayrest and took residence at the Imperial City as the Emperor Magnus I. Magnus was elderly, and Pelagius was his oldest living child. So the attention of Tamriel focused on Sentinel. By this time, Pelagius' eccentricities were becoming infamous. There are many legends about his act as king of Sentinel. I wonder if I should say solitude. Hmm. But a few well-documented cases exist. It is known that Pelagius' Pelagius locked the young prince and princess of Silvanar in his room with him, only releasing them when an unsigned declaration of war was slipped under his door. He tore off his clothing during a speech he was giving at a local festival, and his advisors apparently decided to watch him a little more carefully. (laughs) On the orders of Magnus, Pelagius was married to the beautiful heiress of an ancient dark elf noble family, Cateria... Rahathem, Keteria was a a shrewd diplomat, as well as beautiful. If any creature was capable of hiding Pelagius' madness, it was her. On the 8th of 2nd Seed, 3rd Era, 145, Magnus I died quietly in his sleep. Joleth, Pelagius' sister, took over the Throne of Solitude, and Pelagius and Keteria Ketira rode to the imperial city to be crowned emperor and empress of Tamriel. It is said that Pelagius fainted when the crown was placed on his head, but Katyra held him up so that only the closest of the, to the throne could see what had happened. Pelagius III never truly ruled Tamriel. Katira and the elder council made all the decisions and only tried to keep Pelagius from embarrassing all. Still, stories of Pelagius III's reign exist. It is said that when the Argonian ambassador from Black Rose came to court, Pelagius insisted on speaking in all grunts and squeaks, as that was the Argonian's natural language. <laughs> it is known that Pelagius was obsessed with cleanliness, and many guests reported walking, waking to the noise of an early morning scrub-down of the Imperial Palace. The legend of Pelagius, while inspecting the servants' work, suddenly defecating on the floor to give them something to do, is probably apocryphal. This floor is too clean, let me poop on it. How about that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) After I've scrubbed it since the early morning uh,
1: hours of the morning. (laughs) When Pelagius began actually biting and attacking visitors from the Imperial Palace, it was decided to send him to a private asylum. And his wife was proclaimed regent two years after Pelagius took the throne. For the next six years, the emperor stayed in a series of institutions and asylums. So let's uh, move on to one of the next area, I guess.
0: Yes, um, I've got three paths that I can choose, left, middle, or right. Uh, what would you guys like to see me do
1: first? Um, middle. Let's go, Yeah. Middle's
0: good.
2: Alright, here we go. Oh, uh, someone's asking what happens if you hit Shagoroth with the Wabbajack.
3: You've headed down the path of dreams. Unfortunately for you, Pelagius suffered night terrors from a young age. (laughs) (laughs) All you need to do is find something to wake our poor Pelagius up. You'll find his terrors easy to repel, but persistent.
0: Uh, Well, we'll find out after we're done with this. Yeah. Have to save and give it a shot. <laughs> so I, I had to hit Pelagius with the Wabajack, and then um, a, a wolf popped up, and I had to hit the wolf with the Wabajack, and it became a goat. Now I gotta hit Pelagius again, who's sleeping here in the middle of the woods. Uh oh. This bandit chief's coming at me. <sighs> hit him with the Wabajack, and he turns into a small child little Pelagius. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, let's hit Pelagius again.
1: So while uh, you're wabbajacking away there, um, so uh, from the book Asylum's Ball uh, by Wellgift Gareth. I've elected to publish my story. The asylum my great uncle worked in is probably very was apparently very posh. Only the right class of lunatics were admitted. Eccentric dukes, mad baronesses, touched lords, daft ladies filled the asylums, tapestries, and gilded halls. Still, it was a time of great excitement when the rumor began that the unhinged Emperor of Tamriel, Pelagius III, was transferring there from a resort in Valenwood. When the rumor well, became a reality, the asylum went into nice, about. calm, restative chaos. About,
3: you're moving right along. We'll both be home in no time.
0: Mike, do you want me to turn the voice... Uh, off? No, that's fine. No? time okay. it
1: comes up, I'll just pause. All right. I, I hate to interrupt, Jim. No, that's fine. Uh, when rumor became reality, the asylum went into a nice, calm, restative chaos. Pelagius was given an entire wing of the asylum for his own use. For though he was madder than a jackal, he was still his terrible majesty, Emperor of Tamriel. The Emperor was remarkably well-behaved, my great-uncle supposedly asserted. Of course, he did not have to face the cometers who came on all sorts of pretenses to gawk at their overlord, the loon. When one of the warders, not one I have been assured by my uncle, forgot himself and let his terrible majesty know that people had been there to see him, the emperor grew very excited. He made up his mind right there and then to have a ball, a huge party with musicians, dancing, dinners, right at the lunatic asylum, or precisely in his wing of the asylum. So are we going to talk to Shil'gorath now?
0: Yeah, uh, let me uh, just do a quick save, and now I'm going to hit him with the Wabjack. see what happens.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing happens. Nothing happens, okay, he's immune to his own weapon. He's got to do the fish stick.
2: Uh, if anyone, uh, maybe we should explain the fish stick reference for anyone that doesn't get it? Yes, please. Yeah, Uh, The fish stick reference is um, apparently something that in the early days of the Bethesda Forum uh, there was a uh, poster, and I'm not sure of the name offhand, but whenever someone would come on, you know, join the forum, he would say, you know, here, have a fishy stick. And it became sort of a tradition that new members would get this. Uh, Unfortunately, during the production of Morrowind, I believe it was, he passed away. And so... The whole thing about the fishy stick was continued on as a tradition, and that it was sort of introduced into the game itself. Uh, there's a book in uh, Morrowind where it actually—I think it's like has—it t- says it has the recipe, but it's like covered in tartar sauce, so you can't actually read it.
0: <laughs> That's funny. I was wondering where that came from because you see that in uh, Elder Scrolls Online too.
1: Yeah. yeah. All
0: right, here we go. I'm going down the third uh, third one. Oh! Good
3: choice! Well, good for me. I find everyone being out to get you so terribly entertaining. (laughs) You might find it... less. (laughs) You see, Pelagius' mother was, well, let us say, unique. Although I suppose, in the grand scheme of things, she was fairly average for a septum. (laughs) That woman (laughs) wielded fear like a cleaver. Or did she wield a cleaver and make people afraid? I never get that part right. Oh, but she taught her son well. Pelagius learned at a very early age that danger could come from anywhere, at any time, delivered by anyone.
0: Interesting. Ooh. I right, got some steps up here, I'm making my way up there, and there's an arena it's down here.
3: simple very simple, you simpleton. Use your
0: so,
1: back to the story. The Rumors of the Emperor's interest in holding a ball spread throughout Torval, and eventually it reached the ears of the Empress regent, Katyra, Pelagius' dear wife in the Imperial City. Eager to make her husband happy, she sent a caravan laden with gold to the asylum, so a ball might be held befitting the Imperial dignity. The Emperor picked a date for the ball, and preparations began immediately. The old asylum walls were beautifully decorated, but needed cleaning. A pit had to be constructed to house the orchestra. Servants for cooking and serving the food had to be hired. Golden and eb- ebony candelabras, matching chandeliers, were ordered. Old rugs were destroyed and new rugs embroidered with gems were weaved. A list of guests had been compiled, reconsidered, okay, and reconciled. Be the Emperor knew that the guest list had to be exclusive, and he relied on his advisors to tell him who was alive, who was dead and who was imaginary? The party was set to begin at nine o'clock. At six, the hairdresser had he had hired from Torvald finished his Imperial Coif.
3: Oh-ho! I thought you'd never figure it out!
1: At <laughs> seven, he was God. fully dressed in the robes he, he had ordered for the ball.
3: He said, Which means you helped him out. Sir. And we're that much closer to home.
1: Voluptuous black silk and piled velvet crushed with red diamonds at eight he walked down to the newly constructed staircase to supervise the final preparations the lighting of the candles the opening of the wine the m- murder of the first course at nine o'clock he took his seat at the facsimile Fex- facsimile Fassi- Fassili- there we go uh throne he had ordered and awaited the first guests At 9.30, his advisors, seeing the royal eyes beginning to glaze over with madness, said, Your terrible majesty surely knows that it is not fashionable to arrive for any ball for at least an hour after the desired time, yes? The emperor stared. At 10.30, the emperor called for some food and wine and sat on his throne, looking for the open door. Eating, 30 minutes later, he ordered the orchestra to begin playing. For the next three hours, they played gaily for the empty candlelit ball. At one o'clock, the Emperor announced his intentions to retire for the evening. My uncle was one of the warders who assisted his terrible majesty up the staircase. Halfway to his room, Pelagius threw himself on the floor in hysteria, screaming and laughing, ordering more wine. My mother was good at this part of the story, rolling her eyes and shrieking, more wine, more wine, more wine. And in short, imagining that he was possessed by all of the revelers at the party that never was two days later he was still not better he had cut himself from and those who had tried to grapple with him with the red diamonds on his robe eventually it was decided that Torval's asylum was not well equipped to deal with the lunatic of his severity and he was sent to a more secure location in Blackmarsh it was only three months later my uncle heard that the emperor had died and with that are we ready to go down the third path?
0: Uh, we indeed are good sir
1: Hey. Here
0: we go. Going down. Ah, path. Now this is a sad
3: path. Pelagius hated and feared many things. Assassins, wild dogs, the undead. Pumpernickel. <clears throat> but the deepest, keenest hatred was for himself. The attacks he makes on himself can be seen here fully. <laughs> They're always carried out sport of the franchise said self. The self-loathing enhances belligerence's anger ah. but his confidence will shrink with every hit you must bring the two into balance
0: all right so i got uh, two guys fighting here one's a, a giant uh, imperial soldier fighting a tiny little uh, a tiny little man here and when i say tiny i mean the dude is literally as tall as the uh, the guy's shin that he's fighting. <laughs> so, I'm gonna uh, hit the small guy with the wabajack. Okay, he just got a little bit bigger. Now I'm gonna hit the bigger guy with the wabajack, hopefully sh-
1: hopefully shrinking him. Animist. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. On a warm night in Sun's Dawn, in his 34th year, Pelagius Third died after a brief fever in his cell at the Temple you of You seem to Kinoe. be having a
3: small problem. Or perhaps it's a big problem
1: on the Isle of Betany, on the 2nd of Sun's Dawn, which may or may not be the anniversary of his death, records are not very clear, is celebrated as it's Mad Pelagius Day, the time when a foolishness of sorts is encouraged, and so one of the least desirable emperors in the history of the Septim Dynasty has become one of the most famous ones. So, Mad Pelagius Day on Sun's Dawn the 2nd, which is in our time 2nd of February, is... The holiday that they have. So a little bit of trivia in Potima's biography, The Wolf Queen, uh, it is suggested that she was the cause of Pelagius' madness, having disguised herself as an old woman during the Siege of Solitude, and giving young Pelagius an enchanted necklace that would destroy his mind over time. And we talked about that in the last episode. And Sheogoreth says that Pelagius's last will was to make death illegal. Pelagius may be loosely based on Caligula, the Roman Emperor. Initially loved by the people, but who descended into madness. So that is the history as we can find it in the game of Pelagius the Third, the mad King of Tamriel. Interesting part there about Caligula, by the way. They do a good job of like trying to make uh some of the characters in game reminiscent of like real people.
0: Yeah. Well, in this particular case, it seems like that that might be uh, <clears throat> the case. Um, all right, so so um, what I'm doing here is I'm trying to hit both of these guys and bring them into balance, so to speak. Uh, however, there we go. Aegis
3: <laughs> is finally ready to love himself.
0: And continue hating the rest of us. All right, so so there's that. Uh, now let's make our way on back to Shiagorath and see what else uh, the crazy Daedra's got to say about this whole thing. There he is, right here.
3: Do you mind? I'm busy doing the fish stick. It's a very delicate state of mind.
0: <laughs> All right, I've done it. I fixed Pelagius's mind.
3: Hmm.
0: Kind of. Fixed. <laughs> a subjective
3: term. I think. Treated is far more appropriate, don't you? Like one does to a rash or an arrow in the face. Ah, but no matter. Heartless mortal that you are, you've actually succeeded and survived. I am first to honor my end of the bargain. So, congratulations. You're free to go. Bye. They've been known to change my mind. So, go. Really. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pelagius Septum the Third, once the Mad Emperor of Tamriel, now so boringly sane. I always knew he had it in him. Well, I suppose it's back to the Shivering Isles. The trouble Haskell can get into. Well, I'm gone. Simply boggles the mind. Let's make sure I'm not forgetting anything. Clothes, check. Beard, check. Luggage. Luggage. Now, where did I leave my luggage? Master, you've taken me back. Does this mean we're going home? Oh, happy times. I can't wait to... Yes, yes, that's quite enough celebration. Let's send you ahead, shall we? As for you, a little mortal minion. Feel free to keep the Jack. as a symbol of my... I'll just take the damn thing. (laughs) <laughs> you take care of yourself now, and if you ever find yourself up in New Sheo, do look me up. We can share a strawberry tart. Ha <laughs> ha!
0: Oh, there you have it. The mind of madness completed, and uh, Shiogarath has has made his way onto our our humble
1: show as a guest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's going to be fun when we eventually
2: do an entire episode on him.
1: Oh, we'll yeah. You have to do that in oblivion with the Shivering Isles. Oh no quest. His Get cheese no quest. quest. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So now with uh Wabajack in tow, um apparently I got to go through my inventory here. I'm carrying too much stuff. So.
1: <laughs> well, all of your gear has been taken off of you and you're in uh you know the uh, what do you call it? Uh oh right. In the the dress clothes.
0: Yeah. That's right. I'm gonna throw this stuff back on. Alright, um so that was the history of that was the quest we were looking to do um for the next uh, for the rest of the show. I'll be wandering around uh, aimlessly, probably run into Labyrinthian or maybe something else. Um but
1: We're gonna wabajack things.
0: We're gonna we gonna be uh <clears throat> um wabajacking as they say, I suppose. Uh and as we as we do that, uh we have Mark, the Sonaris himself. We'll flip through the sonarist archives. Yeah, well, and
2: actually I had completely forgotten about this, but you'll notice something that Shigaroth said about Pelagius' mother. You know, she wielded fear like a cleaver. That, you know, she does not sound like a good woman, considering the state of mind that, you know, Pelagius was in. But he also comments that she was fairly average for a septa. And you know, this is the dynasty's been dead for several hundred years at this point. You know, it's when we're talking about who, you know, what the the average is. Seagroth can actually tell uh, can actually tell that. And this is the thing. I mean, the, the septums are, have been so important to the Elder Scrolls series. Before we had Cyrodiil or Imperials, before Khajiits had a sweet tooth, and even before Argonians stopped having to worry about their hairstyles, we had septum you know, their names are synonymous with the Empire. You know, they and their actions have had consequences for the entirety of Tamriel. And, like, we have had um, this this story of the Septim family line ever, <laughs> ever since Daggerfall. This is when the brief history of the Empire shows up, and this is where we find out about the stories of Pelagius, of Potemma, and all of, you know, all of them. Um... So, sorry, brain just went on me for a second there. Um, but just like everything else in this series, uh, the septums and how they've been presented has changed over the course of the games. I mean, so we first meet them in Arena, and I'm just going to pause and we can let that sink in. You know, they they show up in Arena. Wow. <laughs>
1: <Liar>. <laughs> wow. Yeah,
2: you know. Nothing um, I, is in I, Arena. <laughs> You know, it, it shocked me too. It's like, wait, wait, it, it, Arena actually comes up in a, in, in the archives. <laughs> Dear God, good lord, Jim. <laughs> so, I mean, our first introduction to the Septums was Ariel the Seventh, he who would eventually be Patrick Stewart, and he's your typical fantasy MacGuffin from stuff in in the in that period. Uh, you know, he's he's the king who's been deposed and he's been tossed off into a completely separate, um, you know, uh, dimension while his his advisor takes over and uh, pretends to be him. This is back before we... It's not even called Oblivion. This is back before we even had Daedra. Wow. Um, and then when we get to Daggerfall... Uh, we're told that uh, the opening itself says that the Empire has weakened and frayed over the last several hundred years because of, and I quote, the unworthy heirs of Tiber Septim. Uh And then when you meet and then when you actually look at what Uriel is doing in, the, you know, who you saved in the first game, is doing during this period, he's trying to find the weapon his ancestor used to conquer, finishing conquering Tamriel in order to try and use the numidium to repair the the damage that has been done and strengthen the empire, you know he is looking for this super weapon in order to bring everything else under heel. So, huh. you know, when you actually look at where they started, the septum's madness and weakness and chaos and murder and just being wanting, just doing whatever you can to. You know, regardless of the consequences for others, was that was kind of where they were. This was the Septums. But again, this this has changed. I mean,
0: when I describe Uriel there, is that the man you meet in oblivion? Well no, obviously not. He you know, the man you meet in oblivion is is
1: very regal,
0: yeah, the and, and pious, gentle soul it seems. Yeah, the the uh, the emperor that everyone uh, probably wished they had during the days of, of feudalism.
2: Yeah, exactly, and and that's the thing. Oblivion shows us the empire in what seems like the dawn of a golden age at the very beginning. So, you know, it, it, it suddenly becomes a very different world at that point. Um. Tiber Septim himself was introduced as a concept, as a person in, in um, uh, Daggerfall as well. And while we'll eventually get into sort of his evolution throughout the series when we eventually get to a show on him, uh, his changing also then changed sort of the nature of his descendants. I mean, when you first meet, when we're first introduced to him, it's just he was sort of a Caesar-like conqueror. He created an empire, reunite, you know, united all of Tamriel under his rule, and just over the years, it sort of fell. Ap- it started to fall apart because his descendants just were not up to the task. Um, then we we eventually start learning about how that he took it over in um, in Redguard. We actually start to learn about how he actually went about gathering his forces and how he had this sort of mystique about him and. ...about him maybe being from Atmora, ...about him using the Thuum and the voice... ...and everything else like that. And then when we get to Morrowind... ...you have, uh... ...sort of... ...Uriel is sort of manipulating things... ...behind the background... ...to do something which... ...in theory could lead to the removal of... ...Cyrodiil from the, uh... ...from the, ...or, uh, Morrowind from the Empire. Um... The whole prophecy that the Nerevarine is supposed to do is supposed to take part in, actually involves him driving outsiders out of Morrowind. So you have Uriel going from trying to find Grandpa's super weapon, to bring the provinces to heal, to trying to fulfill <laughs> a prophecy that could actually lose him one of the provinces. And then, of course, by the time Morrowind is done, you see that uh, how much the Nerevarine has has helped things he's ended you know as a result of his actions slavery has ended in Morrowind. um he has removed the tribunal is uh, has uh, fallen and the people are sort of reevaluating their entire culture uh dagoth ur who was a huge threat to everything has been removed and when then because of all of this uh because of the uh the miracle in the uh miracle of peace that happens when the new idiom is o- is turned on this is what brings us to this golden age that we see at the start of oblivion. So again, you you suddenly saw things change. And by oblivion, they had gone from being the unworthy heirs of this god king of this uh emperor, of this Caesar like guy, to being divine you know, the um the divinely necessary linchpins of all of uh of, um, sorry, descended from a god, you know, they, if it wasn't for the septums, Oblivion would have come in and conquered the Tamriel
0: long ago. Oh yeah, without a doubt.
2: Yeah. So this is, you know, this, this whole evolution was that, you know, you went from these people who you don't see, you know, they really were not a necessary part. The they, they were just sort of people on a throne as the Empire just fell fell apart around them, to, even if they weren't good emperors, they had to be there. This entire bloodline was the only thing protecting the Mundus, even if people didn't realize it.
1: Yeah. No matter how crazy they were.
2: Exactly. And that actually, you know, and... So it's it's just interesting to see how they decided. Let's let's make these tweaks with the septums. Let's let's change them from a bunch of crazy backstabbers trying to maybe get back their old glory to these are really important people, and let's actually make Uriel Septum an emperor worth fighting for.
0: Yeah, it seems like, um, <clears throat> and, and we're all going to relate this back to uh, Pelagius in just a second. Um, but it seems like that uh, Pelagius, um, uh, Uriel's life was was really uh, spent mostly redeeming um, redeeming his line as as it was snuffed out of of history um, now now uh, Pelagius you know uh, as asshigarath sort of sort of pointed out you know <laughs> is uh, uh, just as just as crazy as as um, or I should say, uh, the the Septum line is just as crazy as Pelagius. Maybe not as as overt in 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 his actions, um, but if you think about some of the things they tried to do while they were in power, uh, you know those the, the this is absolutely the case that these, these oh yes. these guys were and tyrants.
2: I like how when they brought Pelagius and uh, Potema into in in Skyrim they're as they were were described way back in Daggerfall. They are the definition of the unworthy heir. You know?
1: Yeah. It's so, nice that they held true to that. Yeah. I guess you have to have a touch of craziness in order to have creativity and that spark needed to create an empire and stuff of that nature. Oops.
2: Yeah. And and keeping that craziness in made having Uriel the uh, the seventh, you know, Patrick Stewart's event, you know, eventually Patrick Stewart having him his character it made it sort of more that much more important that's much more of a uh a man worth fighting for because he really was bringing back the golden age i mean the empire that we see in oblivion they aren't racist they they've removed you know slavery is finally ending they're actually you know this is actually sort of It's the best type of government, you know, best type of empire you could hope for uh, at the time. And now look at where we are in Skyrim. Everything's falling apart without the Septims. You know, they died off. And as a result, we we basically uh, see the entire world falling back into the chaos that uh, of the Interregnum,
0: what we see in ESO. Right. What what had existed um, before before they were around.
2: Yeah. Um I one thing that I find interesting about the changes that they made to the Septums is that um, for oblivion they had to make it that the, the mythic dawn assassins killed um, Tiber or Uriel and his sons, and thus there was only one more heir that could possibly take the throne. But that sort of completely uh negate you know, that completely contradicts in Daggerfall when you learn that there's a lot of bloodline, you know, the septum blood has actually spread unbelievably far. There are several people, several different uh, noble families in, in High Rock and in Hammerfell who qualify enough as septum, uh, se- as septums to be able to actually use the nominium, which is only able to be used by uh, those of sept- Septum's blood. In fact, there are even septum. There's even septum blood in the orcs of Asin, Orsinium,
1: which yeah, is my favorite
2: thing. No, no, no. The septum. That's, the, that's uh, a lie. But the Numidium <laughs> works with it. We know for a fact the Numidium that's will. It, I'm actually joining. I'm work
1: joining the them. mythic. The mythic dawn.
2: <laughs> you, you're the one that handled events in Orsinium.
1: Yeah, I'm going to handle all of Orsinium, Mythic Dawn style.
2: <laughs> Take out all the orcs. It's the only way to be sure. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so,
0: I'm uh, yes. slowly turning the fla- uh, the uh, fauna here of of, uh, of Skyrim into, into mud crabs and rabbits and what cheese wheels? Yeah, this is. No, this you is have to love the web Oh, it's it's funny stuff. That <laughs> poor elk has never been more confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mud crab. Wait, right, now I'm an elk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mud crab. Where'd my soul go? <laughs> Why do I know only hate?
0: <laughs> so, um, so, my <laughs> so, Mark. Um, I mean, it, it, got anything else here in in uh, the archives on on uh, Pelagius? I mean, I know he he does kind of represent the extreme end of the the um, you know the septums. Uh, and even though Uriel the Septum was was a really good guy, everyone else that preceded him was kind of off their freaking rocker. Uh, Pelagius being, you know. Uh, A huge, shining example of that one. Um, But anything else regarding that? Well, with
2: Pelatius himself, not really. I mean, this is the thing. Like Potemma, he hasn't really changed since... In the ways that he's been described. And Mike did an excellent job of sort of giving the lore behind him. So, it's more just how the the Septim Dynasty as a whole has sort of been changed... And how they've been sort of... even, Even with the madness and whatnot their importance in uh, in the series increased sort of to sort of make them make them something that even a bad septum would kind of be preferable to what we have with no septum. I mean, Elder Scrolls VI, when it eventually comes out, is going to continue the fourth era. And I, I really do believe that the idea behind the fourth era is to follow the crumbling remnants of the Empire. Uh, fighting against the ascendant Aldmeri Dominion, and you know all the problems that come in. So, you know even even in their absence, we see we we feel the importance of the septums, um, and it'll be interesting to see just how how mu- how they you know are we going to see that them sort of fade into history as the the series goes on? Are we going to find a new septum heir? come out and that's going to be part of one of the elder scrolls games in the future or are we going to see someone you know something else come forward to replace them and that will be the new important
0: i want to i want to see the series move on oh yeah me too i i think it makes the uh it would make the septums a lot more um interesting to see them just just move on here we are, fast question of the week, guys. All right. We've spent a lot of time talking about solitude today, but what's your favorite city in Skyrim and why Mark
2: whiterun um, i I love sort of just the feel of the city itself and the
0: environment surrounding it and and Mike Riften. ah. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go and say because of my recent purchase and all that. Um, I do believe that Solitude is is quickly becoming my my favorite uh, city in in Skyrim. It is it is absolutely gorgeous despite its uh, its dark history. I love it there. It's a lot of fun. I think I've spent more time wandering around solitude just exploring it and taking in its its scenery than I have any other any other place um, Mike why Rifton
1: um, I like the the multitudes and the, like the you know you get into the the sewers and stuff and just there, there's so many nooks and crannies to explore plus when you leave Riften itself, it's that autumnal scenery of the Aspens and the, the beautiful foliage and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, versus, you know, some of the Northern cities where it's just bleak and snow and, you know, in upstate New York, we get enough snow as it is. So
0: yeah, (laughs) I like, that's a good answer. I like that. Um, Mark, what about you? Why, why is, um, White Run your, your favorite, your favorite city? Uh, just basically, I
2: like sort of the feel of it. It's, it is itself a bright city. The architecture is interesting and just I like sort of the the open plains of White Run and the, like the rockiness and uh, of it. I just sort of love the area around it. and it is sort of one of these rare these very, very rare places of
1: peace in a very war-torn land. Mm. Come on, the truth is that the town bike lives there.
0: Damn it, Mike, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Ruby Dragon Claw. I don't think I've ever gotten this. Cool. All right. So, um, great. So so what about you folks listening uh, at home or watching us on, on YouTube? What's your favorite city and why? Let us know in the comment section below or send us an email at Record at gmail.com. And speaking of emails... We've got this one from from Osgand. Um, Mark, I, I see you've written something below it. Did you want to read this email and then and then directly answer?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, right, go ahead. Okay, basically, uh, okay. Hey, classic crew. First, I want to thank you, uh, y'all, for the hard work you do to bring uh, interesting lore discussions every episode. In this last episode, someone mentioned uh, being disappointed with uh, missing opportunities for payoffs in lore and and stories. As a creative person myself, I've talked to and have interviewed with with many industry veterans, and the prevailing thought is that story plans usually only go so far as the, uh, the project with only vague and very fluid ideas for the sequel. When asked, how far ahead do you plan for the story, or did you know that X was going to happen in the story, the most common answer is something along the lines of, no, we did not sit down uh, sit down uh, one weekend and write out ten years of content. We have a rough idea where the story starts and what some events will be, but the order uh, but the order and conclusion const- is constantly in flux from iteration to iteration. I, uh, I've heard time and again dire- directors and writers say that they will sow the seeds and drop hints for what, the, uh, uh, for what might eventually get, uh, uh, get to but every new uh, product is a risk and could be what brings the franchise crashing down this is not necess- necessarily true in every case just one uh, of the more common ans- answers that I have heard now to answer the question of which character I would like to hear more about Personally, I would like to learn more about Divath Fear. This Telvanni mage is not only a myrrh of science, but one, uh, one if not the oldest and most powerful mortals in any of the games. Unfortunately, it is currently unknown if he survived the red gear. Thanks for the read. Ozgan. So, I do agree completely with Osgan, with what Ozgan is saying. Um, and I I'm, I'm the one that made that comment in the last, last episode. You know, um, the you know i as the archives keep saying the law the lore in this series has changed and evolved over the years and i personally think that's a good thing you know i i'm not a fan of of sort of getting over excited or upset over changes in the lore especially when it's changing something that maybe wasn't really gone into um what i was more trying to to get in you know was trying to say in the last um in in the last session, I didn't mean to imply that uh, these uh, these plot se- seeds were th- there, and they really, you know, they were they were meant to be used, and they should have been used, and anything else like that. It was more that they offered an opportunity, and that I wish that some of these opportunities had been taken, but I do understand that, you know. They, they creative teams for this have limited time and resources and funds in order to do what they need to do so sometimes these things just can't get expanded on like the way that Potema and Pelagius did in Skyrim you know it's, it's not that I feel they should have been it's just a sort of like I kind of wish they had been because the opportunity was there and it would have been nice but I do understand why they might might have been missed. So, yeah, that's just sort of, you know, what I, I kind of wanted to address with that. Oh, well said.
0: Well said, Mark. Uh, Mike, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think that Mark covered that really well. I I agree. Um, okay, we've got uh, one more email here as well. It's kind of a quick one. This comes from Justin. It says, Good evening, Classic Elder Scrolls crew! Wanted to say thank you for not only reading my email, but taking the time to answer both questions. It was very much appreciated on my end, and it made my day at work. Moreover, the Skyrim question was bothering me for a long time, and I just could not find anything online. You guys are great at what you do. Thank you again, Justin. Well, Justin, you are welcome, sir. Uh, we, we take a lot, of, um, a lot of pride and joy in uh in what um in what our our listeners like yourself have to have to say to us and ask us and uh, the answers that we give so you know of course we 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 appreciate you uh asking the question in the first place and it was fun for us to track down the uh the answer take it upon ourselves to do that and for those of you out there that that might have similar questions to lore that um that justin had i believe the last episode um feel free to email us um we'll be happy to take the time out and, and sort of sit down and, and if we can take a look and find, find a good answer for you.
1: Yeah. It's like having a whole other segment in the show, you know, uh, with the kind of question that he asked.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No great stuff. And, um, you know, Mike, um, you did a, you did a wonderful job getting all of that information, uh, down for, for him. Um, I mean, in regards to into the the thank you that he sent. I mean, the thanks really belongs to you. In this, you have anything you'd like to you know either add to uh, to a response to Justin?
1: I'd like to really thank Justin just for you know having sent such a great set of questions to allow us. Because you know sometimes for us we sit down and brainstorm what do we want to talk about, how can we fit it together as a show. But when a listener like that sends you know questions like how do the Red Guards and the the Dunmers' respect for the dead, you know, um, really, uh, you know, how are they similar and different type of thing really sparked a whole like conversation and a whole set of uh, research for us. And it was like a, a, its own topic almost, you know, a whole other segment of the show. So I'm you know, really thankful that he sent that. And I hope that more of our listeners uh, would take time to think about, hey, you know, what's going on in ESO or Skyrim or Oblivion that, you know, they want to know more about. A particular topic or why something is the way it is and send us an email saying hey you know can you describe this to me better you know I'm having trouble understanding it you know put it into words that we can understand as a group and you know that really makes our day so I'm really happy that he sent that to us
2: oh yeah no I, I'd love to see more uh, more questions from the listeners
0: absolutely I, I completely agree uh, it was like I said a lot of fun for us to, uh, to get that information and to, to uh, talk about it on air um. All right, guys. That's our show. That is it. Uh, we've had we've had a couple of uh, technical issues during the show. Um, hopefully. Uh, I should be able to uh, to get this show uh, edited so it is flawless, but it's gonna take some time. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to get the. I'm pretty sure I'll be able to get the audio out tonight for for monday morning's commute um if i didn't and you're listening to this uh and you did not have the uh the, if you, di- you didn't have your your episode uh by monday morning i do apologize i am working on it uh the video might take a little longer simply because i'm gonna have to upload it from my hard drive to youtube and that usually tax on an extra five hours or so um just from start to finish and tagging it and all that and, and whatnot so uh, that might be out probably Tuesday. I think should be out Tuesday. Um, anyway, uh, just so you know, like that's that's the timescale we're looking at. Um, final thoughts, starting with Mike.
1: So it's still raining out, so that means I'm going to probably be on ESO or maybe playing some Skyrim today. No lawn mowing, thank God.
0: Thank God for that. Um, <laughs> incidentally, I. We've got we've got a bright sunny day here in on Long Island. Oh, wow. I'm not much further south than well, I am probably about.
1: Well, we're about 400 miles apart between the two of us. So are we? You is know. is Henry Yeah, really I'm far on the away? complete opposite side of the state from you. So you're probably yeah, as you know. far east as as east goes for New York State, and I'm yeah not quite as far west as west goes. But you know, yeah, mine about three quarters what, of the
2: we've west. Got, we've got a kind of a cool and rainy day here in toronto so
1: yeah i'm closer to mark than i am to you yeah wow mark's just across the little the little lake there that we have in our backyard
0: wow new york really is a giant state
1: it's bigger than many european countries wow
0: (laughs) that's crazy anyway (laughs) (laughs) uh mark uh final thoughts
2: um again this was a, a fun episode um Anything with Sheogorath is always just a blast to go through, you know. Just he's such a fun character. So yeah, I, honestly I can't wait till we eventually do an entire episode on him.
1: Yeah. Um, here, soon, here, we're going to Oblivion in probably a couple months.
0: Well, we've got we've got one more Skyrim episode, right? Or are we doing four? Uh, two more. Two more. Okay, so we're doing two the four more Skyrims, and
1: then we'll do uh, an ESO Skyrim, and then we'll go to Oblivion.
0: All right, probably sometime uh, beginning of July. July, end of June, we'll we'll head up uh, Oblivion for the first time.
1: Yep.
0: Um, Minorum has a question in the chat room here, and we'll probably uh, we'll look to take this on maybe the next episode. Question: Why is the nature of orcs banned in ESO as an anti-orc propaganda? I don't get that. I assume there's some content in the game I'm missing. Good question. That is a fantastic question and um, let's see if maybe we can get that uh, copied and pasted and um, let's, we're, let's see if we can find that out
1: okay yeah, <sighs>
0: yeah. that's a cool question
2: maybe I should look into this one
1: <laughs> oh no I think I should look into this one
2: <laughs> <laughs> well uh, about- we, we both will and we'll both come back with uh, well you know Mike's answer and the right answer <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so where can you listen, guys? You can listen to us on iTunes. The uh, for, uh, you can listen to us on iTunes. So for those of you who who either have iTunes on your desktop or you have an iPhone, uh, you're just a podcast app away on your iPhone from listening to classic classic Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls Off the Record, and anything QGN related. Um, if you don't happen to have an iPhone, um, but you you are looking to listen to us uh, on on your phone. We recommend the Stitcher Radio app. It's on every um, every uh, uh, app store out there. It's a free download. Uh, you go to st- uh, just type in Stitcher Radio, S T I T C H E R, Stitcher Radio. And um, the reason why we recommend it so highly is because it is widely um, uh, it is widely available. It is free. The audio quality is very good, and um, many, 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 many. People put their podcasts on there, so some of your other favorite podcasts might actually be on Stitcher Radio as well. Uh, my favorite, uh, my favorite Doctor Who podcast, Starburst, is on Stitcher, and um, I always listen to those guys uh, using that app to app too. So Stitcher Radio, great app, guys. Uh, you can we highly recommend it here at QGN. All of our QGN shows are on that app. Um, also, QuestGamingNetwork.com. You can listen to all of our shows there as well, either on your desktop or on mobile as well. The, um, the, the uh, mobile version of questgamingnetwork.com works very, very well. Um, and you can you can listen to our shows as if it were a ready-made app uh, as well. So it, it works out very good. Also, YouTube. Uh, you, every every show we do has a video component to it. This is no different. Uh, youtube.com slash network. And please subscribe, we do appreciate it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well. You can follow Mike at KDRMickey, that's K-D-R-M-I-C-K-E-Y. Uh, you can follow Mark as well at Carnigan Wolf. that's C-A-R-N-A-G-A-N-W-O-L-F-E. And I'm Avarwin, you can follow me at Avarwyn. that's E-V-A-R-W-Y-N. Uh, don't forget to follow this show as well as Elder Scrolls Off The Record at Elder Scrolls O-T-R that's Elder Scrolls O-T-R well that is it guys Uh, thank you to my my great host you've done a wonderful job putting this episode together the information as always is is spot on and it was fun for me to to record Um, thank you to our our listeners uh, for those who came in uh, early morning on this Sundas uh, for the for the chat room on twitch twitch.tv questgamingnetwork quest gaming network thank you for coming guys thank you uh youtube watchers please subscribe uh we appreciate that and uh itunes listeners thank you very much podcast listeners thank you so much for listening uh every every listen means so much to to the network take care everyone as always be safe and may the force be with you